From WFUV News, this is Undecided, the road to the Democratic primary for New York City mayor. I'm Chris Baccia. Thanks for joining. On the podcast, I'll bring insights from political reporters and analysts in the city ahead of primary day, June 22nd. In episode one, Jeff Colton of City and State joins me to frame the race as we hit the seven-week mark from the day registered Democrats in New York will cast their ballots. Jeff was quick to mention exactly how those votes will be cast, ranked choice style, wherein voters will be able to fill in second, third, and even fourth and fifth preferences in the crowded primary field for mayor. If one candidate receives more than 50% of the vote, he or she will have won the primary. If no candidate can, then a process of elimination from the bottom of the field will begin. Voters who voted for the last place candidate will instead have their vote counted toward their second choice candidate. This process will continue until a candidate reaches the 50% threshold and the nomination. Beyond that shakeup, it's traditional politicking in the race for mayor as candidates get out from behind their computer screens where much of the early phases of the campaign have taken place. Of the 12 Democratic candidates, nine are registering in the polls. Andrew Yang, the 2020 presidential candidate and entrepreneur. Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough president and former NYPD captain. Scott Stringer, the city comptroller. Maya Wiley, the former MSNBC analyst and aide to Mayor de Blasio. Raymond McGuire, a former city executive. Sean Donovan, the former U.S. housing secretary. Diane Morales, a former nonprofit executive. And Catherine Garcia, the former sanitation commissioner. Polling from Spectrum News New York One Ipsos released in late April, just after my conversation with Jeff, confirmed earlier trends. Yang led the field with 22% of support. Adams received 13% of support from respondents, and Stringer saw a jump to 11%. Maya Wiley registered at 7%, while remaining candidates tallied 6% or lower. Early polling found as much as half of New York City Democrats undecided. This new poll found that figure to be roughly one in four. Whatever the number of undecideds is, these voters will be decisive in picking the Democratic nominee for mayor. Here's my conversation with Jeff Colton. You can find his work at City and State. Thanks so much, Jeff, for for helping us out here. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I was happy to talk to WFUV. So I I, want to give uh, the listeners just a view of this race, sort of the 5,000 miles. Um, and, And we have... A slate of candidates with 50% of the electorate in New York City potentially undecided, at least among registered Democrats. So this race very much uh, has a lot to go uh, as we move around 10 weeks until uh, primary day on June 22nd. So when we look at this Democratic field, and it's pretty deep, Andrew Yang and Eric Adams stand out at the top here as the front runners, um, and they're different. Uh, Andrew Yang, a little bit of an outsider from New York City and, and bring some energy in that perhaps to a city that has gone through a lot. Eric Adams, more of an establishment figure in New York City politics, the Brooklyn Borough president, a former NYPD captain. Your view on the two front runners at the start here, why they've gotten out to a, a quick jump and how likely is it that they'll be able to hold on to their polling lead? Couldn't agree more that, that they're different. Uh, yeah, very different backgrounds, like you said. And although, yes, they are currently leading in the polls, I'm almost even hesitant to call them front runners, uh, just because so much can change in the next two months. Uh, this is a mayoral race. It's a little bit more of a sprint than like a presidential race where it's, it's you know, uh, primary after primary over months and months. Uh, this is the New York City mayor's race, and uh, a lot of voters aren't really going to tune in or start paying attention until 
the last month or the last couple months, which we're just kind of entering that period now. Uh, that said, I would rather be in the same position as Yang or Adams than any other candidate right now. Uh, both of them have a good amount of money, good amount of momentum. Uh, Eric Adams has a lot of right institutional support behind him, including some of the city's major unions like 32BJ and uh, DC37, both unions that have uh, shown that they can really mobilize members and, and get some support out there. Uh, so yeah, those two leading candidates, but you know, we can't forget about uh, others like Scott Stringer, the New York City Comptroller, another candidate who has real citywide experience and good name recognition. Uh, candidates like Maya Wiley, who's a, a favorite among some progressives. She was a uh, former counsel to Mayor Bill de Blasio, but also kind of got a somewhat of a national profile uh, working on MSNBC, being a legal, ana legal analyst there, and uh, kind of became a, somewhat of a resistance hero, the way that she would talk about uh, how we need to, you know, end the Trump presidency and, and supporting Democrats there. Uh, and that's just four of them. You know, there's four other serious candidates, too. It's a very interesting race, and uh, I know a lot's going to change in the next two months. You mentioned uh, that, that left wing and that progressive part of New York City. Of course, there are a lot of progressives in New York City, but the two leading candidates that we mentioned, maybe if we don't even want to call them front runners, they, they are leading by some measure in, in Adams and Yang. They don't hit that left wing tack. They're, they're not of the progressive sort in a lot of ways. Um, in Yang, you have someone who's pretty business friendly, you would imagine. So that left wing, which is probably Wiley and Diane Morales is another in Maya Wiley, who you also mentioned, and Scott Stringer. Do they, is, is there a joining of forces? Is there a potential that the left wing can coalesce and become a threat to that sort of moderate track that we see having some momentum at the early part of the race? Yeah, one aspect I'm looking at is how progressives are really putting their faith in ranked choice voting this time around. Uh, it's a different system. Candidate uh, voters will be able to rank up to five candidates they like. And uh, progressives have uh, somewhat failed to coalesce around a single candidate. Like you said, there's, there's Morales, there's Stringer, and there's Wiley. All of them are considered to be the most progressive choices. And uh, a lot of leading progressive uh, elected officials or organizations have been choosing any one of them or co-endorsing two of them or ranking their vote, but, but it's not like one has really, you know, elevated as the progressive choice. So that means that they're hoping that progressives will rank all three of them in some order and that that would potentially help a progressive candidate, any one of them overtake the more moderate, more business friendly candidates like Eric Adams and Andrew Yang, both of who have shown hesitancy about raising taxes on the wealthy, both of whom have shown hesitancy about defunding the NYPD. Uh, just, a, just a different uh, perspective on what the city needs than the progressive candidates. Um, in some ways, it is similar to the dynamic that we saw with the presidential race, where we saw a lot of uh, online excitement behind candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. But, uh, you know, in the end, the more moderate uh, candidate ended up winning in Joe Biden. Uh, the race is very different in so many ways than the presidential race. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if progressives can get a win here or if it will be another win for uh, the more moderate traditional wing of the party. With where the economy is, I wonder if the, the left wing plays, especially after eight years of Mayor de Blasio, who, who was of, of the progressive brand, is that a reason why New York City voters or New York City Democrats at least are interested in the moderates in this race? 
what what issue really counts in this race when you have sort of spikes in crime, gun violence? Does a public safety approach appeal more? And I know that you you probably don't have the exact answer to that, but is that is that possible for why you see an interest in somebody like Adams who might give you the public safety perspective, but then Yang, who's sort of different, gives you perhaps we can inject something into the economy. If I had the answer to that, I'd be running for, for mayor myself, of course. Uh, but look, every mayoral race is somewhat of a reaction to the previous mayor. Uh, we saw Bill de Blasio win uh, in large part because he was able to uh, put together a, a campaign that was, that was running against Michael Bloomberg. It was a reaction to Michael Bloomberg and his more business-friendly conservative candidacy. Uh, and de Blasio won as a progressive. This time around, we're seeing a lot of candidates uh, say that they are different than de Blasio. We see, right, Eric Adams, who is, is responding, basically saying that he'll be more uh, competent than de Blasio, saying he has experience, he, he, can, he can work with, with business, and uh, he can just run, it, run the government more efficiently. Um, he's also running a, uh, a, a, an identity-based campaign, saying he's the, he's the blue-collar candidate. He's the candidate for the outer boroughs. And I think that is also somewhat of a reaction to de Blasio, definitely seen as a, a kind of white collar insider political guy um, who, who might, uh, might be more focused on the issues of around Park Slope than around like East New York. And Eric Adams is responding to that. Uh, Andrew Yang is saying that he's energetic and he's gonna care about the city and he's gonna cheerlead for it. And he's gonna, he's gonna just like have uh, energy. And also Andrew Yang is saying that he's gonna work with business. Big business feels so shut out from de Blasio, and de Blasio owns up to it. De Blasio's like, I have no interest in talking to, to big business. Um, Yang and, to an extent, Eric Adams are both saying that they'll give, uh, they'll give big business an ear, or you know, they'll have meetings with them. So you know, that's two of the leading candidates, and I, I think that they're leading in part because it is a reaction to the current mayor, and that, that's something that really gets people fired up. They want change, and uh, although they're presenting somewhat different aspects of change, uh, it is both a response to the current mayor. Staying on the current mayor and Mayor de Blasio and some of the people in this race who are connected to him in Catherine Garcia, who is the sanitation chief, and Scott Stringer, who's in the administration, as well as Maya Wiley, who was his counsel. Is that something that potentially hurts those candidates? Are they trying to distance themselves from Mayor de Blasio? Uh, I will push back with Scott Stringer. He was actually independently elected, not worth de Blasio. And, and he has uh, pretty effectively uh, drawn, he's criticized de Blasio over the years. He, he's, he's drawn differences between the two, um, even though they're both kind of, uh, you know, creatures of, of politics, both have been in politics for years and years. Um, they don't always get along and they really have different perspectives. Um, when it comes to Garcia and Wiley, they have both worked quite hard to also distance themselves from de Blasio, which is a harder job because they actually worked directly for him. Wiley very closely as de Blasio's chief counsel and Garcia as one of his commissioners for the past uh, seven years, basically. So they both have, have uh, you know, really publicly criticized de Blasio, said they disagree with him on some things. They've, they've been saying, you know, I run on my own. I'm not him. I'm different. Um, but I think that that is uh, really the, the biggest um, mark against both of their campaigns, uh, at least in a lot of voters' minds, that, uh, oh, they're, they're attached to de Blasio. That said, 
you know, it's, it's easy to bash on de Blasio. He's, he's very, very fun to criticize, but let's be fair. He still does have some supporters. His, uh, his numbers are not totally underwater and there's a lot of people out there who would probably be happy to vote for him a third time uh, if he, if we were, if he were able to run for reelection. So I would say that actually, you know, Wiley's connection to de Blasio honestly probably helps her more than hurts her. Um, and Garcia possibly too. It's, it's uh, getting that experience working in uh, administration in government is probably more helpful uh, than hurtful, even though it is connected to a relatively unpopular mayor. So this, you, you've been paying attention to this race a, a lot longer than I have, and of course, most observers, and it's mostly been forums, and it's been an online campaign, and, and pretty quiet, and a lot of New Yorkers haven't tuned in just yet. That's a big reason why we want to do the podcast, uh, for the sake of informing potential voters, as there has been so much attention on other political news that it's been drowned out of it. Do you see that changing now? Do you, you, you feel like we're entering a final stretch here where we, we know that we're seeing more in-person campaigning, but that we, we really start to get some heat behind this race and potentially some things may change? Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a change. Uh, we see Sean Donovan, uh, former budget director for President Barack Obama, and Ray McGuire, uh, former Citigroup vice chairman, a banker on Wall Street. Uh, those two candidates we haven't mentioned yet, they're both going on TV now. They have TV ads, so anybody who watches TV is, is noticing these candidates. They're hearing about them. They're being reminded, oh, there's a Democratic primary coming up. Um, and also, Andrew Yang's entrance into the mayor's race really shook things up. It was a relatively late entrance. He uh, didn't announce until January when other candidates have been running for months and months before that. Uh, Andrew Yang has incredibly high name recognition, especially among the Democratic primary electorate. Uh, he became somewhat of a national celebrity when he ran for president. And uh, according to the polls, something like you know, 80 to 90% of likely voters know Andrew Yang and have an opinion about him. So him entering into this race really injected a lot of outside eyes, not just from within the city, but you know, around the, the nation. And I uh, got people paying attention somewhat. So, you know, I think that people might still need some more time to actually decide who they're voting for, but at least they know there is a, there's an election, it's getting attention, people should start tuning in, and they should start listening to, uh, you know, podcasts like this one, and then reading up uh, on stories at city and state, and finding out uh, who they want to support in the Democratic primary, and then the general in November. With Andrew Yang, you, I've identified a a persona there that he, he, he wants to bring a, an energy back to New York City that, that seems to be sort of a hallmark to his campaign. He has the national attention. You have a city with pretty quiet streets, a little bit more buzz than, than uh, in the past many months. But I, I think a big part of his campaign, correct me if I'm wrong, is about the, the comeback, the New York City comeback. Is, is that a big part of the reason for his appeal? Absolutely. And look, political reporters like us, we often put too much emphasis on policies and the specifics. I mean, of course, this stuff is very important, especially when a politician actually wins office. But elections are so much about feeling and momentum and which candidate just kind of appeals to voters. And Yang is absolutely winning the race when it comes to that. He's doing a great job of just speaking to voters, uh, showing that he is, he is changed. You know, he, is, he has the energy that de Blasio has lacked. Uh, he's, he's rooting for New York to, to come back. And uh, you have to give him credit for, for being able to kind of seize on that zeitgeist, on that message. Uh, 
you know, other candidates are, are trying their own thing. You know, Sean Donovan, who I mentioned, is the candidate of, of plans, he said. And, and Scott Stringer is kind of the candidate who, who has the experience. You know, he said uh, he's, he's, quote unquote, ready on day one. Uh, they're all trying the, this different, you know, kind of emotional appeal to the voters. Uh, Yang has simply been the clearest of them. And, and on some of that policy that you mentioned, and this is where Yang draws some criticism, is that is he prepared on day one the way Scott Stringer claims he is without the city government experience, without the government experience, um, not a lot of it at least. Do you think that, that, that he may find issue, and I don't want to just talk about Andrew Yang, but if we look at an issue like policing and, and racial equality in the city, um, which, which of the candidates are speaking to that issue in your view? Mm-hmm. Well, just to, sp- to speak more about Yang, because he is dominating the race. Uh, that's one of the top criticism against him, like you, like you mentioned. Uh, man has no experience whatsoever in not just city government, city politics, but even kind of the civil society of, of the city. You know, he, he hasn't been right. engaged with with local nonprofits or, or boards, that sort of thing. And uh, look, the people that uh, are are involved with this, that are involved with city government and city politics, they feel um, almost offended that he's coming in uh, with no experience and, and trying to win this thing. Um, but look, as it comes to, in particular, um, policing and, and criminal justice reform, uh, this is an issue that has become so important in the past year following the George Floyd protests. Um, it was always, central in New York City, but probably even more so now. Um, and the candidates are all taking a different spin on it. Uh, Diane Morales, uh, who we mentioned before, one of the more progressive candidates in the race, she's a former nonprofit CEO, and she has set herself apart by being very firm that she wants to defund the police by a lot. Um, I can't remember if she's put a specific number on that, but it's at least a billion dollars. Um, and so she's really putting herself out there. Maya Wiley has a lot of experience on criminal justice reform in previous jobs and previous roles. Um, she hasn't been as clear as Morales, but I think she's trying to let her experience speak for herself. And then Eric Adams is a fascinating one. He's a former NYPD captain. He's served on the force for like 22 years or something, but while he was in the NYPD, he was a staunch critic, um, always, always complaining about the leadership, saying it was racist, um, and he himself is black. And it's a very interesting perspective that he has, where he is both appealing to criminal justice reformers and also uh, those that, that really support the NYPD and really uh, you know, like what it's doing. He has somehow done the impossible and kind of, kind of appealed to both groups. Staying there as well, um, we've seen a few endorsements. I, I know you put together a good list on city and state. Some who haven't said anything yet that I want to ask about. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez obviously carries a lot of weight in New York City politics. Um, Richie Torres did endorse. He's for Andrew Yang. Tom Swazi, the congressman from uh, District 3, he endorsed Eric Adams. Do we hear from somebody like AOC or other big national progressive figures. AOC is just one of those examples of progressives um, being hesitant to, to choose a champion. Um, they are putting so much faith in, in ranked choice voting. And, uh, you know, frankly, I'd be surprised if Ocasio-Cortez uh, endorsed a candidate. Um, I, I don't think that she has uh, deep personal ties to any of them, 
and I think that she uh, just knows that it would probably do more to uh, to tear apart the progressive coalition than bring it together. It's the dangers of her of her fame. But you know, a lot of other uh, groups that have not endorsed yet. Uh, the Working Families Party were still eagerly waiting to see uh, who they endorsed. That's an influential progressive voice. And uh, one that I've been looking into recently, the New York Times, um, of course, uh, very influential among a, a certain segment of Democratic voters. Um, haven't heard anything from them. You know, they, they probably won't endorse until June. We have some time before we hear from the papers, uh, the Daily News as well. You know, I'm sure they'll endorse in this race. We haven't heard anything yet. Uh, so there's, there's still a lot of, of time left. And, you know, as much as about 50% maybe of the electorate is uh, currently undecided who they'll vote for, I think it's about the same for, you know, the leading endorsers. We have a lot of folks out there who have not yet said uh, who they're going to be supporting. And I think we're going to be hearing a lot of that in the coming weeks. A lot of those big figures haven't weighed in. And of course, a lot of New York City voters are undecided. And that's sort of the theme here. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more just how much change does this race still have ahead of it potentially? Um, is it as dynamic? I know we've established that it's pretty dynamic. In what ways maybe do you see it being dynamic when it comes to issues or some of the politics? We haven't had a lot of big spending yet. Uh, so that, that can really shake it up. You know, if there are big campaigns on TV or, or print or digital ads, whether that's for a specific candidate, whether that's against any specific candidate, uh, the race can still be shaken up. Of course, there's also the possibility of, a, of an October surprise, quote unquote, you know, this, this uh, late last minute shakeup, I guess uh, in this race, it would be a May or a June surprise. Um, who, knows, who knows what could come up as candidates, uh, you know, do the opposition research and try, it out, try and find out more uh, about each other. Uh, so the race is, is definitely changing. And uh, I mean, look, you have to think about last year uh, where New York City had uh, these big June midterm elections. And just a few weeks before, there was the, the death of George Floyd and, and national protests against racism and police brutality. Um, it, it's horrible to think that, that something could happen like that. But you know, sometimes issues do just, just uh, bloom. They really grow. And uh, we still have uh, you know, some months and weeks before the primary. You never know what, a, what issue is going to become front and center uh, when voters are going to the polls. Jeff Colton of City and State, breaking it all down for us. Thanks so much for the time, Jeff. My pleasure. Always happy to come on FUV. That was everything you need to know about the state of the race from Jeff Colton. Since Jeff and I spoke, a few key endorsements are worth noting. The influential Working Families Party weighed in behind progressive candidates by offering rankings, previewing how New Yorkers will vote, and placing Scott Stringer at the top of its list. Diane Morales was the party's second choice, and behind her was Maya Wiley. The city's teachers' union also threw its support behind Stringer, and city firefighters announced their support for Eric Adams. Next week, we take a deep dive into one of the campaign's hottest issues. From WFUV News, this is Undecided, the road to the Democratic primary for New York City Mayor. I'm Chris Boccia.